I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, season's greetings to you all and welcome back to Sportsmall's Premier League preview podcast. I'm Barney Corkill. I'm here with Pascal Lemaire to talk through the final game week before Christmas. Surprise package, Leicester City remain top of the power following their victory over Chelsea, while Bournemouth and Newcastle have both given their fans an unexpected Christmas cheer with consecutive victories over some of the league's biggest teams. Chelsea are one such team who have fallen foul to the relegation candidates' resurgence, and it's at Stamford Bridge where we start as Jose Mourinho's side welcome fellow strugglers Sunderland. Pascal, once again, there's only one place to start. Chelsea, ninth league defeat of the season last time out against Leicester. Well, yeah, it was a massive game on Monday night, wasn't it? Builders like, you know, you know, the tables have been completely turned. You know, Leicester, they were bottom last year. Chelsea were top and it's completely different this season. And Leicester went into that game full of confidence and they played really well, I thought. Chelsea, again, not at the races. You know, Azar going off injured in the first half when Mourinho sort of looked like he wanted to keep him on the pitch. And then, you know, one of the Chelsea players just kicked it out. Oh, let's get Azar off. He's not interested in this. And... Just the attitude is not there at all, which is the complete opposite to Leicester. They were full of confidence, and the, the opening goal again, uh, Mares to Vardy, that combination has been so lethal this season. And you can look at the Chelsea defending and say it wasn't all that great, but I just thought it was a fantastic cross. The movement, he was, you know, he just stole a march on Zuma, who was a little slow to react, but then the finish, first time finish on the volley. I think you've just got to give credit to Leicester for that goal. And then uh, the second one from Mares again. You know, we know he's going to twist and turn like that, but I think Aspilicueta could have just. I mean, I think he defended okay, but I think it was more Pedro. The one, uh, just there, he didn't really commit to that. He could have easily gone over and sort of helped Aspilicueta defend him. Couldn't do it. But then again, you have to give credit to Mares. It was a fantastic finish. And from then on, you know, Chelsea. You know, even Diego Costa, he was criticising the defenders after the first goal, saying they'd fallen asleep. There was just so many things. There's so many things wrong with that Chelsea team at the moment. And they did get the goal through Loic Remy, but you know, they didn't really deserve anything out of the game. Fully deserved win for Leicester. And Mourinho said after the game, felt betrayed by the players they're just not pulling their weight they're, they're doing so much more in training than on the pitch but if they can't deliver on the pitch you know they're still sitting there really in trouble and you just got to wonder where they will finish this season and the speculation keeps going on Mourinho doesn't it because you know the form they're in that is relegation form four, four points from the last 21 available that's how bad it is for Chelsea at the moment only one win from their last seven Premier League games it's just dreadful form and obviously none of us saw this coming at the start of the season and for it to be carrying on so long it's their worst the worst ever Premier League title defence so far there's ever been to a season is Chelsea's worst start to a season since 1978 when they actually went on to get relegated I know Mourinho doesn't think they're in a relegation battle it would be probably the biggest shock in Premier League history if they do go on to get relegated surely they won't but the form they're in they're not showing any signs of getting out of that as you say they look a bit disinterested there's there's so many things that look wrong with them and that was even there was talk of that even back in pre-season people did actually see this maybe not to this extent but did see a, a bit of a Chelsea slump coming because things weren't right in, um, in pre-season first game of the season you had all that thing with the physio just so many st- mm. stuff so many things wrong with Chelsea and Towards the start of the season, it was their defence that, was, that wasn't doing well. They've improved in all competitions. They've kept four clean sheets in the last six games, I think. So they, they have improved in that sense. But going forward now, they're struggling. Hazard still hasn't got a goal all season. Costa's only got three in the league. As a team, they've only scored two in the last five games. So, so many problems they need to sort out for them. And at the moment, it's not... It's not very clear to see uh, how quickly they're going to do that. I know, and you wonder what they're going to do in January, don't you? Because there's sort of the constant links with John Stones, and 
he would obviously be a good signing, very bright young talent. But like you said, the defence has looked fairly solid. And in Zuma, Cahill and Terry, you would say that those three are pretty solid centre-backs. And if, I mean, if Stones came in, would then one of those have to have to go or maybe just get relegated to the bench and then maybe be sold next summer? But, you know, Marino says he doesn't need an overhaul of players, but you feel that just maybe he does. It's either you feel that probably it's Mourinho that needs to go or maybe just a real influx of new players. I mean, there's been talk of a, you know, a sort of bumper, you know, Ronaldo for like three key players, that kind of deal for Real Madrid if Ronaldo wants out of Real Madrid. But you can't see anything of that happening really. He needs to turn it around with these players. I mean, he admitted after that Monday night's game, you know, is the top four gone now? He said, absolutely gone. It's the first time he's really admitted it like that, that they can't get into the top four, which just shows there's no belief in the league really. So where are they going to finish? And then the Champions League draw, you know, they finished top of their group and the worst draw they probably could have got is PSG. They did get them, uh, who they had last season. They, they lost on away goals. They got them the last two years, actually, quarterfinals two years ago and then uh, last year in the last 16. And, you know, both times away goals to separate them. So it's been very, very close. And, you know, considering where they are in the league now, the Champions League is their only real hope this season for success or, and if, if they can get into Europe. Because they, if they win the Champions League, obviously, they get in again. But... So that's a massive game against PSG, but for them to draw PSG when they could have got some a lot easier teams, it was a real blow, and you can't really see them beating PSG uh, over two legs in February. But but that is in two months' time, to be fair, so maybe things will have turned around by then. But, yeah, the way things are going, it'd be interesting to see what they do in January because a lot needs to change, and I can't really see Mourinho lasting that much longer with you know Sunderland and Watford, their next two home games. They need six points out of six. Eight. I mean, if they don't beat Sunderland here, he might not even be there for this game against Sunderland, you know, uh, according to reports. But if they don't beat Sunderland, surely he's got to go. Yeah, after the the defeat to Leicester, Frank Lampard made the point that he doesn't he wouldn't see much benefit of sacking Mourinho, and I can see that point because the league is a write-off now. They're not going to win the league for sure. They're twenty points behind, and they're a lot a long way behind the top four as well. So, I think probably even the top six might be even beyond them already this season. Champions League is the only thing they've really got to fight for, and the FA Cup when it comes in January as well. So, this season's probably a write-off, and then you'd look rebuilding for next season. He's had a poor season this time around, but Mourinho is still probably one of the best managers of all time, so who would you rather in charge? It's just whether Abramovich is thinking like that. He hasn't always been the most reasonable when it's come to managers, so it'll be interesting. But the, their form this season, one of the stats that drives at home since, I, I think it was 1999, the last time they lost three Premier League games in a row, and if they lose this one this weekend, then it'll be the second time in two months that that's happened. So that's how bad it is for them. And Sunderland, they'll, they'll, be get, they'll fancy their chances against at Stamford Bridge, even though Chelsea... Um, with Chelsea in such poor form, even though they lost last time out against Watford. Allardyce said after that match that his team needs to be a bit more like Watford, and you can see exactly why he said that, because Watford, they've got a good uh, plan going to stay in the division at the moment, and Sunderland need that. They've, it wasn't a poor performance from Sunderland. They lost 1-0 to that uh, early Carlo goal, but it could have been more. Carlo had one cleared off the line when he really should have scored. Gerardo hit the post as well for Watford, so there were chances for Watford to make that more comfortable, but Sunderland... Again, more positives. There certainly have been more positives under Allardyce than there were under Dick Advocate in the early stages of the season. Two points from safety would actually move level with Chelsea with a win here, but it is going to be difficult for them. But under Allardyce, you fancy their chances of making things difficult for most teams. Yeah, and I think, I think the thing for Sunderland is they do need to you know, get some wins together because you look at what Bournemouth and Newcastle have done in recent weeks. You know, They've had two tremendous wins, both of them, the last couple of weeks. And Sunderland, you look at their fixtures coming up, they've got similarly difficult fixtures. I mean, Chelsea away, not as difficult as it probably should be, but then City away, Liverpool at home in their final three games of 2015. You know, Then they've got Villa and Swansea, their first two uh, in the new year, which are obviously going to be massive games. But if they can get some points from these next three, maybe even nick a win against one of these teams, obviously Chelsea probably the easiest of the three, it would be huge because the way Bournemouth and Newcastle are going, they're starting to pull away. Obviously Villa still uh, rooted to the bottom there, but 
thing with Sunderland is they have got the worst away, away record in the Premier League this season. Four points, 21 conceded. You know, they did win at uh, Crystal Palace uh, last month. That was you know quite, quite a recent win, but they haven't really got enough points away from home. And I think the thing is, you know, that's they do need to just nick some points here and then try and get some more at home. But obviously Watford at home last Saturday, like you said, that was a game they really would have wanted to win, but they couldn't do that. And I think the only thing with Sunderland going to Chelsea, they have actually you know won at Stamford Bridge in recent years. You know, they inflicted that first defeat on Mourinho, I think, at Stamford Bridge that he'd ever had in the league, wasn't it, a couple of years back. So they may, can maybe take some heart from that. But even with Chelsea, the way they're going, it is still going to be a very difficult game for Sunderland. Yeah, overall Chelsea's record against Sunderland is, is 18 wins in their last 21 meetings, only two defeats, and Allardyce has never beaten Mourinho in the Premier League either, so do you see either of those records changing? Uh, I don't, to be honest. I think Chelsea will win, but I think it will be a very nervy game. Allardyce will know that. He'll set his team up to go there and you know try and really frustrate Chelsea. There's going to be you know a lot of nerves among the players and the fans, but I think Chelsea will just nick it 1-0. Yeah, they have to win this one, don't they? I think this really is a must-win for Mourinho. If he doesn't win this, if he loses this, I think he's, he's going to be gone, so this is a, a must-win probably the biggest must-win game of Mourinho's entire managerial career so I can see a Chelsea victory obviously they've surprised me a lot of times so far about how poor they've been but I'm going to go for a 2-0 Chelsea victory so both going for Chelsea to win this one OK it should be a good and a good as Everton hosts the leaders Leicester Barnes will start with the leaders Leicester another fantastic win on Monday over Chelsea yeah superb victory Take, takes them back top of the table two points clear of Arsenal now you wouldn't have thought that at the start of the season, would you? But they just continue, carry on impressing us and um, surprising us, really. To be honest, that Chelsea game, you could see that coming. The way both teams have been performing all season, the, the, the way Leicester played in that match is the way they've been playing all season, just full of energy, full of momentum, just seemed unstoppable at times. The, the game took a while to get into any sort of rhythm, but then Vardy, as ever, got the goal, 15th goal of the season. He's having, as we know, a fantastic campaign. I think he's now been directly involved in a goal in 14 consecutive Premier League games, which is a sensational record. And then Mahrez as well, who's been his sidekick. Maybe that's even a bit harsh on Mahrez this season, but he's been fantastic as well so far this season. And his goal was exceptional the way he jinked and turned and he was a threat all game to be honest his his movement his pace his direct running Chelsea struggled to deal with that throughout so he deserved his goal another goal for him I think that's 11 for him this season as well so they've both been doing fantastic obviously the two standout players for Leicester but the whole team is doing well and they deserve that victory against Chelsea 12 months ago you would have never thought that Leicester would go into that match as favourites but they went in they got through another big test of their uh, genuine title credentials and the, every week that goes by they get more and more likely to be actual genuine title challengers which is sensational considering where they've come from. Yeah, I think the only negative about that game was maybe the injuries to drink water. He's been a really important player for them. He's a doubt for this one. Not quite sure how serious the injury is but another game which they've scored in they've scored in every single league game this season. Top scorers in the league with 34. I mean they have got the worst defence outside the bottom seven with you know 22 conceded but that doesn't really matter when you're scoring as many goals as they are. The worry is, you know, if either of those two gets injured, but in, in the shorter term, you know, January is coming up, is there going to be interest in, from other clubs? And it's whether, you know, let, I mean, maybe they should offer the two of them new contracts, you know, coming up. But it's, I mean, why would you want to leave if you're top of the table? It's, I know they're bigger, there's, if bigger clubs do come in, you know, historically bigger, but if you're top of the league and you leave for a club that's below you, you do wonder what's going on. Maybe the other clubs can offer a lot more money than Leicester, but they're still unbeaten in nine Premier League games, won six of the, the last seven, 23 points out of 27. That's just incredible form. And some of the teams they've played as well, I mean, I know you were saying, like, Chelsea, they're not the team they once were, but that was still a big test to them, a lot of pressure, you know, going into on Mourinho in that match and obviously Ranieri against his former team as well. There was all the talk of that. And for, him to, you know, for them to pull out a win like that, it was just a, a, a tremendous win. And like we said, I think, I mean, I said last week that, you know, I think, 
there's no reason why they can't be considered title contenders now. You know, you have to if they keep picking up wins like this. Maybe if there's some you know frowns about whether they can actually win the title, but top four, I think definitely you have to say they're, they're definitely in the race of the top four because Chelsea now one of the big boys who are out of it, and there's so many other teams stuttering at the moment. Liverpool dropping points, Spurs dropping points. You know, they're, they're just not, not all looking that convincing, and that's one thing Leicester have been really convincing in a lot of their wins. Yeah, and then I think these next three games we talked about last week including the Chelsea game but they're going to be I think this is the last real test before they are generally considered by all to be title contenders at the very least uh, top four contenders they've got Everton Liverpool and Man City in the last three games of 2015 which is a very tough end to the year but they'll go into every single one of those games fancying their chances the form they've been in and even this one at Goodison Park it's not an easy game but they've actually been better on the road you think of the King Power Stadium absolutely bouncing on Monday night but they've actually been better away from home so far this season only unbeaten team away in the Premier League so far this season no team scored more goals they've picked up more away points than at home with 18 away and 17 at home so they're just as good on the road as they are in front of their own fans. Their unbeaten record away in the Premier League stretches back to March now. It's 11 games. They've won four of the last five. They've scored three goals in each of the last three as well. It's sensational figures, really, for a side that many were expecting to be battling relegation this season. It's, they are so good on the road. They're so good at home. that it's not. We think of a team like Crystal Palace, who you, you think they've got similar players. They can burst forward when they get momentum behind them. Very hard to stop. Very good on the counter-attack. But Leicester play that way everywhere they go and they're getting success everywhere they go, home or away. So they'll come into this match absolutely flying. They've got all those players. They've got, like, they're strong in midfield. I mean, if they lose drink water, that'll be a blow. But defensively, they've looked good as well. It's just, I think, back to front, they look like, they just look like a really good team. Leicester. And I think this could be a great game against an Everton side who they have drawn three in a row in the Premier League. Four of the last five have been draws as well. They've... They've had some you know, more winnable games and they haven't quite pulled out the victories like last week against Norwich. One all draw there at Carrow Road and they really should have won that game. The first half they were they were all over Norwich, swarming all over them. Lukaku scored again. They had six Premier League games in a row. He's scored Delafeu with another you know, fantastic cross. Those two like they like link up like clockwork sometimes. But they couldn't score more in the first half. They could have been maybe four or five goals up at half-time. They couldn't get it. And then second half, Norwich did come back into it. Everton really dropped off. And uh, Houlihan with a really scrappy equaliser. And then Cameron Jerome with that horrendous miss, which you know they could have easily won the game for Norwich. All he had to do was hit the target from about five yards, and he stuck it over. And you know They're still unbeaten in all competitions You know since they uh, lost to Arsenal. But it's really felt like some missed opportunities for Everton in the last few weeks, and especially with the likes of... You know, like I said, Liverpool and Spurs dropping points. It's just felt like missed opportunities, and this is a re- real chance for Everton if they can beat the leaders here. You know, become only the second team to beat them all season. It's a chance for them to really, you know, climb back up the table again. Yeah, you look at Everton. You look at the side and how they've been playing, and they've been playing some really nice football. They've got their key players banging form, but they're just drawing too many games defensively. Jaggy Elk obviously being out, that's not helped them defensively. A bit like Leicester, defensively they, they need to improve a bit, and going forward they're irresistible at times. I think only Leicester and Man City have actually scored more goals than them. This season in the Premier League they've got 11 in their last three home games alone so they're in fantastic form going forward but at the back they're just giving away some pretty cheap goals that they need to cut out because there are too many drop points coming from those draws no sides drawn more than them this season I think it's eight of their 16 games which is half same amount as Tottenham I think so if they could turn some of those into victories and there's no no reason why they can't challenge for the top four as you mentioned Chelsea are pretty much out of the picture now down on the table so there is a space up for grabs that no one was expecting and 
They're a very tough team to beat. You can see that only Man City, United and Arsenal have beaten them this season, all in the top four, actually coming against up against the other team in the top four uh, this weekend, obviously against Leicester. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on there. But a very tough team to beat. They just need to turn those draws into victories. Yeah, I think we were talking about Leicester and like whether Mahrez and Vardy will still be there in January. It's the same for Everton, really, isn't it? You know, you've got Stones there, the interest from him from both United and Chelsea, supposedly. Lukaku as well, he's obviously playing fantastically. And then Delafoe, Barcelona have got that buyback clause this January. So I think it's like 6.4 million they can buy him for. So if they lose Delafoe, I mean, if Barca come in with that bid, they, you know, they, have, to, they have to sell him because of that clause in the contract. And Lukaku, you know, he's been linked to United as well. It'll be interesting to see if they can hold on to their best players as well. But this game looks like a really good one. Which way do you see it going? Yeah, I think these ones usually end up in jaws between these two sides and the way Everton are going, the amount of games they've drawn so far this season. I can see it being a high-scoring affair, but I can see it being on as even. I think I'm going to go for two all. Yeah, I completely agree. I think two all as well. I think we'd be really disappointed if this was a nil-nil, wouldn't we? But I think there should be you know, plenty of entertainment in this one. I'm going to go for a two to draw as well. So both see this one finishing two all. OK, a quick hop over to Manchester now, where United are hosting Norwich at Old Trafford. Pascal, only one place to start, really. That's with United. Defeated Bournemouth last time out. Yeah, it was a really bad week for the club, wasn't it? You know, West Ham, 0-0 at home, and then going out of the Champions League to Wolfsburg, into the Europa League. And, and then you go to Bournemouth, you know, one of the sides down there at the bottom. I know they did uh, win at Stamford Bridge the week before, but to go there and lose 2-1, very disappointing. And it's the, it's the manner of the way they conceded the goals. You know, the first one very early on in the game. You know, they did have a makeshift defence out. You know, they've got so many players injured. Shaw, Rojo, Smalling, Darmian, all missing from that one. They did, you know, their defence was Varela, McNair, Blind and Borthwick, Jackson, you know. Really makeshift defence, but then the one guy you think would be really solid at the back is De Gea, and he make, then makes a mistake for the first goal. You know, it, it, very windy down there on the south coast, and it did swing in obviously, but you can't get beaten like that as a keeper from a, from a corner kick. It's just you know you just that simply can't happen. They get back in it through, you know, Fellaini. That was an ugly goal, wasn't he? Stumbled in there and somehow managed to turn it home and. And then the second half, you know, Bournemouth are quite good. Another set piece um, for their second goal. A really well worked one with Josh King coming in and, you know, finishing that neatly. But to concede, you know, both goals there from set pieces. You know, they conceded goals from set pieces in the Wolfsburg game as well. And you, you just wonder what's going on there, really, because, you know, it had been boring football, you know, in the sort of last two months before this, you know, bad week. But at least they were, you know, eking out games and, you know, not losing them. But now they are losing them, conceding goals as well. And you look at the table, six points behind the leaders now because... That's the thing, even though they weren't playing great football, they were still right there in the title race. You know, they're very, very close, but they're now six points behind Leicester, three off City, and, you know, they only got Spurs three points behind them. And, you know, you, you probably would have expected Spurs to close the gap, you know, but they lost to Newcastle and other, other teams below them losing. So they could maybe say that they're getting a bit lucky with others losing, but the way they're playing at the moment, you can't really see them mounting a charge for the title. And you mentioned those goals can see them from set pieces there. That's so unlike what United have been for the whole season before these last two games against Wolfsburg and Bournemouth. They had kept eight clean sheets in their 11 games prior to that. So to concede five in the last two, I think there's been maybe a change of style. There's certainly been more exciting games, both of them, although on both occasions, I think they've sort of been dragged into the other team's style rather than playing their own in that. Um, uh, Wolfsburg, obviously, they needed to go for the victory there, which would have played a part, but Bournemouth, I think they got a bit caught up in the atmosphere there on the south coast. It was absolutely rocking at Dean Court. So I think they didn't play their own game that. They didn't really get it under, um, under wraps. They didn't have Schweinsteiger there to control the midfield and I've been quite critical of Schweinsteiger this season I think he plays it too slow too many sideways passes and probably the main uh, protagonist the boring football uh, United have been playing but they could have done with a player like him just to calm things down after that early goal against Bournemouth so obviously such a free goal and they, they came back they could have equalised straight away Boric made that incredible double save didn't mm. they? The, uh, fantastic goalkeeping from him and they deserved their equaliser in the end but they, they didn't deserve anything more than uh, at, at very most a point in that game and questions have got to come against Van Hal now I think is there any progress under him so far 
obviously out of the Champions League, no progress on that front, even more he's got to the quarterfinals. Um, in the league, if he secures another top four, space, uh, top four spot, you'd say there maybe was progress from the Moyes um, era. But look how much he spent. It's over a quarter of a billion pounds. He needs to be doing better than that. I know he's got a lengthy injury list. As many as 10 first-teamers could be out for this game. So that's obviously tough to deal with. But still, spending that much money, you'd think they'd have a bit more depth than to come up with that defence they've come up with. So they're winless in five uh, games in all competitions now. So... As you were saying, the results earlier in the season, they were it wasn't pretty, but they were eking out results. That stopped now. It's bad results. They're boring football. They haven't gone six without a win since 2007. So you're going back uh, eight years there for the last time United won this poor run. So something has to change. And if Van Gaal doesn't start getting the results soon, I think he'll come under a lot of pressure. Yeah, definitely. And I think, obviously, this game is a really good chance against Norwich at Old Trafford because the thing is, at Old Trafford, they've been pretty good. You were talking about the clean sheets. They've kept six consecutive clean sheets at home dating back to September. Only conceded three and 13 this season. So at home, you know, the fans haven't been too impressed. There haven't been many, like, three, four nil wins or, you know, four, one, five on anything like that. But... You know, they have been fairly solid there. They're the only unbeaten uh, team at home in the Premier League. They only conceded one goal at Old Trafford in the Premier League. That was against Liverpool uh, a few months back. So they have been solid. You know, Norwich, not, not one of the best teams. They've certainly fancied their chances here. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they treat the Europa League now that they've been you know, demoted. That They've got uh, Midtjylland, uh, the Danish team there, which is a, is a good draw for them, really. I know they beat Southampton you know, way back uh, in the qualifiers at the start of the season, but it's a good draw for them. But it's whether they think, can they, if they think they can still win the league, maybe once they get a few players back fit, are they going to treat the Europa League as just you know, a side competition or are they going to treat it as importantly as the Premier League? Because it would still be good to have obviously a run in Europe there, but we know that Thursday night games, they do tend to have a more detrimental effect than the Tuesday-Wednesday Champions League ones. So, interesting to see how they take it, but it was a decent draw for them. And obviously Europa League, if they win that, they do get in the Champions League. I think Van Gaal, he's won it before in his time at Ajax, I think it was. I think he will take it fairly seriously. So, you know, it might derail their title a bit, but at the same time, it's... A tournament, I think Van Gaal will go into it wanting to win. But looking ahead to this weekend, they'll certainly be favourites despite that defeat against Bournemouth against the Norwich side, who themselves, they got a good point last time out against Everton. Quite how they got that point, I'm not sure. They should have been dead and buried by half-time in that game, which could have been 4-5 to Everton quite easily. There was one-way traffic, absolutely dominant. Norwich fans booed them off at half-time, and rightly so, because it was a dreadful first-half performance. But whatever Alex Neil said at half-time, it seemed to work. They got a goal back within a couple of minutes. Houlihan... Quite a scrappy goal, but a goal nonetheless. They'll mm. certainly take that to get back into it. And you, you thought when they were going in at half-time, Everton had needed to get that second goal. Otherwise, Norwich they're always going to be in the game until that. And to get a goal so early in the first half, I think, in the second half, sorry, got the fans back on side after they were so disgruntled at half-time. And then in the end, they perhaps should have won it with that Cameron Jerome chance. He certainly should have scored that. Mm. As I mentioned, they should have been out of the game uh, before that. But having held on and it then equalised, they should have won it in the end with that Jerome chance. Great chance. I'm not quite sure how he missed that one. So, But a, a, a point is good. Um, they dropped into the relegation zone with Newcastle and Bournemouth mm. again getting surprise victories. So that will be a bit of a blow. But it is probably more than they're expecting and more than they probably deserved from that match. Yeah, they've had some actually some quite impressive results. Haven't they? They've held both Everton and Arsenal uh, at Carrow Road. So they've been decent results. But in terms of wins, it's just one win in their last 11 and none of the last four. And you look at the wins they've actually had this season, Bournemouth, Swansea and Sunderland, you know, all teams right down there at the bottom with them. So you wouldn't really give them much of a chance of winning at Old Trafford. But... You look at especially away from home as well, Villa, Sunderland, they're the only teams with fewer away points and Norwich have won just one of their last 19 Premier League away games, losing 13 of those. They lost four in a row uh, away from home. So decent results, you know, being able to hold Arsenal and Everton at Carrow Road, but not picking up you know, any points away from home in recent weeks. And yeah, you just can't really see that change in here. They've, 
they've put in some good performances, but like you said, on another day, Everton would have been you know uh, way clear in that game had, had they just taken some of their chances in the first half and. It's, they're going to be hard-pressed to get anything from this game. Yeah, they've lost 11 of the last 14 in the Premier League against Manchester United, so do you see them getting anything? Uh, I don't, to be honest. I think United, it won't be a virtuoso display, like we've said. They're, they're still gonna, they've still got a lot of key players out injured, but they should, at Old Trafford, I think the, the crowd will definitely try to get behind them. You know, it was a really tough week last week, and you know, they will have, will have had a week off this week, You know, a bit more rest, uh, and they should come through this 2-0, I think. Yeah, I agree with the United victory, obviously, as I mentioned, Recently, the defence has been a bit poor, but Norwich haven't exactly been pulling up any trees up front themselves. So, I can see them keeping a clean sheet as well, but just about a 1-0 victory, I think. So, both going for Manchester United wins here. Two sides coming off defeats last weekend. Face-off at St Mary's with Southampton up against Tottenham. Barnes will start with Spurs. Their unbeaten run finally came to an end at home to Newcastle last time. It was club record 14 games, wasn't it? A fantastic run, really. Mm. You would say there was too many draws and that really to make them title contenders. But I was considering them dark horses and that's what made the defeat to Newcastle all the more surprising. Obviously, Newcastle were coming off the back of that good win over Liverpool as well. So they were full of confidence, but not many people were expecting them to go to White Hart Lane and get that victory. It was a bit of a smash and grab in the way they got the, got it late on. But you'd say over the course of the game, they probably deserved at least a point from that you know Tottenham they had their chances obviously took the loo through Dyer's um, header he's he's turned into a very good player both in, in, from open play and a real threat from set pieces as well so he's been a real positive of this season but to then concede a, a pretty scrappy um, equaliser and then later on I think Hugo Lloris to be honest should have been certainly for the second goal but probably for both of them he should have done a bit better and he's made a, made a couple of mistakes in recent weeks now it's not he's not usually we consider him the one of the best uh, goalkeepers in the Premier League but he's made a couple of mistakes recently so he's in a bit of shaky form he'll want to get out of that as soon as possible as I mentioned second goal he really should have done better for but um, yeah even even worse to give away that late goal then would have been heartbreaking for them because they could have taken advantage of other teams in the league as well but they weren't able to do that so a really really disappointing them the first defeat since the opening day as well and the only defeat before that was due to that own goal from Kyle Walker really unlucky as well so this is the first time they've been beaten by the other team scoring more goals than them all season so it's a, it'd be a bit of a re- reality check to them because people myself included would have been starting to consider them, them, them as dark horses for the title yeah, I think it was it was a missed opportunity, wasn't it? Because you know, with United losing against Bournemouth, they would have gone fourth with a win there. And now you look at the table; they're left with Palace and Watford just one behind as well. And you know, they probably count themselves maybe a little lucky that you know Everton didn't beat Norwich, Liverpool didn't beat West Brom. You know, so that, you know those those teams who probably they might consider their more realistic rivals maybe sneak into the top four or for those fifth and sixth European spots. They also dropped points last weekend. But you look at their recent form: only one win in the last five Premier League games, drawing three, losing one. You know. Hasn't really been, you know, they had that, you know, some really great results. You know, they've had the old uh, good result here and there. That one against City, you know, four one at home was especially good. You know, they've had some some really good ones, but in recent weeks it's kind of dropped off again. You know, Kane's form, he's he's gone a bit, you know, quieter since you know he scored that was it a hat trick against Bournemouth that he had, and he's gone a bit quieter. The likes of Deli Ali, he's he didn't look at his best the other week as well, and. You just wonder, like, if maybe they're dropping off a bit, and the thing is, you don't want to drop off at this time of year because you've got a lot of fixtures coming up thick and fast around the festive period, and they, they want to get back to winning ways here because Southampton not in great form, as we'll talk about. But you know, you look at the way Watford are going. You know, Palace uh, decent win last week as well, and you'd expect you know Everton and Liverpool to start climbing the table. Spurs, they can't you know let that great start to the season they had, all those unbeaten games they had, they can't let that drop off and now go on a really bad run. 
Yeah, Southampton, as you mentioned, aren't in great form, but Tottenham, away from home, they haven't exactly been setting the world alight over, so far. they've been much better at White Hart Lane, and in recent seasons, that hasn't always been the case. White Hart Lane's been a bit of a nervy ground, but especially when Tottenham aren't playing well, the fans are quite quick to get on, on their backs, but they've been better at home this season. Away from home, it's not terrible, they've only lost one game um, away from home all season, One, they've only won two though as well from uh, their seven, they've only got 10 points from possible 21 on the road, so that's it's around the middle of the pack, but it's worse than the likes of West Brom have managed on the road, worse than Stoke have managed on the road, worse than Watford have managed on the road. So for a team who's got top four ambitions, they're going to need to do a little bit better than that. It's not terrible, but it's not great either. And if really the top four teams will always be good at home and away. Obviously, the away form usually drops off a bit compared to home, but not usually that much for Tottenham. So they, they do need to improve on the road if they've got, really got that Champions League ambition. Yeah, maybe that game against Newcastle, you know, the defeat they had there, maybe it played a part. They played in Europe in midweek and you know, since had the Europa League draw, they did get Fiorentina in that. It was a really tough draw, actually, when you consider some of the sides that the others got. You know, United got that Danish team, Midtjylland, and Fiorentina, the team that Spurs got in the last 32 last year, and they lost to them there. So maybe a bit of revenge there, but it is a, it's a very difficult tie for them. Obviously not great for their, you know, Europa League hosts. But moving on to Southampton, they also lost last weekend 1-0 at home to, uh, against Crystal Palace, sorry, away at Crystal Palace. And... Yeah, it wasn't. They've, they've looked quite poor in recent weeks. Southampton, haven't they? they've really started to drop off. Sitting twelfth now in the table, winners in five in all competitions after they did go eight unbeaten before that. So they have really dropped off. Not been able to score last weekend. You know, they had that late chance through Shane Long, but I don't think they really deserved too much of the two. They had Gatsaniga in goal, and he made a lot more saves than uh, Wayne Hennessy in the Palace goal. And you'd have to say that. They probably, I mean, it wasn't the best of games, but Johan Kabai got the goal. Sloppy defending, really. He got into the box and he was, he was pretty much all alone, like on the six yard line. And you should never really have that, should you? You know, there's got to be someone there ready to cover that. And he was able to tap it in and not been able to score there. Like I said, leaves in the 12th now. So, you know, they're not looking quite as good as they were last season. And it'd be interesting to see if they spend money in January because Ronald Koeman, you know, his, his players aren't quite playing as well as they did last season. And I, I'd be interested to see what they do. Yeah, and I mentioned Tottenham's away form, but Southampton's home form is not too encouraging either in recent weeks. They have, they've only lost one of their last five in the Premier League, but in all competitions, their last three at home have been losses to Stoke. That's 6-1 defeat at the hands of Liverpool and then a draw with Aston Villa, which is a really poor result considering how poorly Aston Villa are doing so far this season. So they certainly need to improve in front of their own fans. It's gone hand-in-hand uh, hand with their dip in form, which, as you mentioned, has been pretty marked since their uh, eight unbeaten. So they need to improve sooner rather than later because they're now further away from the top four than they are uh, the relegation zone so they've they've dropped off a bit and we talked about that cluster of teams last week before they played Crystal Palace there was only three points separating I think it was sixth from twelfth now but if they don't get some decent results now they might just fall out of that cluster in the middle of the pack which will uh, which might put them out of distance of the European places going further into 2016 these next two games are not going to be easy for them Tottenham and then Arsenal both at home which would be a plus but both those North London teams will fancy the chance of getting something out of Southampton in this form and if they don't if they only pick up maybe one or two or any uh, zero points from that and the form as you mentioned the likes of Palace Watford and obviously Tottenham would get points as well in that run if um, Southampton lost both games they might find themselves getting cut adrift from that top six yeah, I think it's probably Spurs might view this as a good chance to play Southampton but uh, what's your score prediction yeah, it's quite a tough one to call here. I think I can see Tottenham bouncing back. Southampton, I don't think will make it easier for them, but I'm going to go for a 2-1 Tottenham win, I think. I, I don't actually see any goals in this one. I think both teams look a bit bereft of confidence last week, and I think the way Southampton are playing, I think they'll be more scared of losing than not necessarily going for the win against the Spurs side, who usually quite solid defensively. So I'm going to go for a 0-0 draw. So got one Spurs win and a draw. OK, moving on to the Britannia, where Stoke versus Crystal Palace. 
Pascal, we'll start with Stoke. 0-0 against West Ham last time out. What did you make of that match? Well, it was an entertaining 0-0, wasn't it? You know, both, loads of chances for both teams. And I think, you know, both teams hit the woodwork as well. And, you know, I think it was in the end, West Ham finished with 11 shots on target. It was the most out of any team this weekend. And they were the ones that didn't score. You know, Stoke had quite a few as well. Uh, Kuyate cleared one off the line. Butland, again, made, you know, tons of saves. But Stoke, they had chances to Van Ginkle or Naltovic. You know, it could have easily been a 2-2, a 3 all easily. But in the end, it finished 0-0, which is another clean sheet for Stoke. I think going to West Ham, I mean, West Ham, they haven't had many wins in recent weeks. And I think Stoke might have gone there and thought, good chance here to get a win. But, you know, a, a draw is still a decent result at Upton Park. Leaves does still leave in the bottom half in 11th, but it's still very, very tight, you know, in those places, you know, between sort of, say, uh, 6th and, like, you know, down to, down into 12th there. So it's very, very tight and they could easily shoot up the table this weekend. Yeah, they're only three points off fifth place now, which is, if they can get up to their potential with a couple of wins over the festive period, they get right into the European mix, which will be a big achievement for Mark Hughes and, the form they're in, you wouldn't back against them. Only one loss in their last six Premier League games, two in the last 11. And those two were pretty surprising ones against Watford. Well, obviously, Watford doing well now, but at the time, that was a shock at home to lose 2-0 to Watford. And then Sunderland, who, as we know, are right down at the bottom of the table. And um, when you consider some of the teams they've beaten in that time as well, they've got victories over Manchester City and Chelsea at home. So it's, uh, they're in really good form. And they've got United and Everton to come after Palace. Obviously, not the easiest end of the year, but if they can pick up quite a few points in there. They'll really fancy a chance of pushing on in 2016 because the form they've got, the players they've got and the form those players are in, the likes of Arnautovic especially, they'll fancy their chance of giving any team a game at the moment and as I mentioned at home particularly they're, they're in good form. They've only lost one of seven since August in the Premier League and that does include the victories over Man City and Chelsea and two over Chelsea if you count the penalty shootout victory in the League Cup as well. Yeah, those three games coming up, you mentioned Palace here, United Everton, all three of those teams obviously just above them in the table and they could really, say if they got seven points from these three three games they could really start to climb the table and you know the reason for their improved form of late has been you know the defence has been so good we've talked about Butland so many times this season he, he's having a great year and you know Shawcross I think it's nearly 500 minutes now in the Premier League he hasn't conceded uh, when he's been in the team it's seven clean sheets in their last eight in all competitions seven in their last nine in, in the Premier League uh, only conceded four goals in that time as well you know we know that Stoke tend to be like that you know that's what they've been built on especially under Pulis you know since they came up to the Premier League but the way they're playing now with players like Arnautovic, like you said, you know, uh, Boyan's playing well as uh, as well as Shakiri. He obviously uh, brings creativity as well. So certainly defensively they look so solid. But you know they did fail to score last weekend despite having quite a few shots on goal. And no team scored fewer than them in the Premier League with 13. So you know attacking they do need to score a few more. But only Arsenal and United have con conceded fewer than them. So you've got to just try and maybe if they really want to push up towards the European places like you were saying they just need to score a few keep it as tight as they have been at the back but just score a few like they can and when they play like they did say against City you know a couple of weeks back when they beat City too if they play like that they should easily finish in the top half this season I think um, Palace are a team with very similar ambitions at the moment they're in sixth place at the moment which uh, fantastic achievement as well from Alan Pardew both both these managers have done really well for their team since taking over them and only three points off the top four now Crystal Palace after obviously Manchester United and Tottenham both dropped points uh, last weekend and Palace got the victory over Southampton a lot of chances but you'd have to say they deserved the, the victory in that one both keepers were tested Hennessy probably made the better of the saves but Gazaniga was certainly the busier of the two keepers Palace had quite a few chances Belassi again was very dangerous down the wings putting a few fantastic crosses one of which Johan Gabay scored from this his fifth goal of the season first from open play I think since the opening day of the season though and he's got a good record against Stoke he scored four goals in his last four Premier League games against him so he'll fancy a chance of adding to his tally there 
but uh, first consecutive home league wins of the season. So, you know, Southampton, they're not in great form, but it's still a, a decent victory for them to get three points there. And obviously there's that whole thing about Alan Pardew going to the pub with the uh, Crystal Palace fans after the game. So everything's going right for Palace at the moment. The, the real feel-good factor around the club, and they'll certainly be confident going into this game as well. Yeah, I think there's certainly comparisons that could be made between the two teams. You were saying about, you know, Stokes' defeats that they've had in, say, the last 10 games. Both been surprising ones to Watford and Sunderland. And you look at the Palace have only lost one of their last six in the Premier League, and that was the one uh, Monday night at home to Sunderland. You know that that uh, where they made that mistake that gifted Defoe the goal. You know, since you know they've, they've they've taken points off United, Liverpool, Everton, Southampton, like you were saying last week in recent weeks. So they have been really really good, and we know that we tend to talk up Palace's away form. They're usually very good. No teams can see a few away goals this season than them. And you know their last two away games, they've been to Everton and Liverpool, the two most clubs, got four points there, winning at Anfield, getting the draw at Everton. So it's been really really good from them, and they're looking for their first uh, consecutive wins for more than two months. So that's been the only real problem with them is that. There's been some really impressive results, but then just too many draws in between. The odd defeat, they're not really stringing it, you know, a winning streak together necessarily, which is the sort of thing that would you know, take them you know, right up to the table. But it's still where they're sitting, you know, level on points with Spurs there. In six, they are in the European places at the moment and really, really impressive. It does look like a pretty tough one to call. Which one, where do you see it going? Uh, I'm going to back Stoke here, I think. I just, I've been really impressed with them in recent weeks. I think even though they couldn't score against West Ham last week, they maybe gave up a few too many chances. And that might be a worry against Palace, but I just think the way they played in their last home game, uh, against City uh, the Britannia really really impressed me and I think they just might have too much for Palace here I'm going to go for a 2-1 home win Yeah I don't see that many goals to be honest Stoke as we as you mentioned not great in front of goal and Palace again as you mentioned best away record um, defensively so far this season so I'm actually going to back a 0-0 draw in this one so we're going for one Stoke victory and a goalless draw The last of the 3pm kickoffs is at the Hawthorns with West Brom up against Bournemouth Mines will start with the Cherries. Two wins in a week over Chelsea and United. Absolutely incredible, hasn't it? No one saw that coming after the form they were in. No, uh, no wins in nine before these last two games. So to, to come up with these and probably the two, certainly before the season, they would have been looking at as two guaranteed, nailed-on defeats in that game. Probably the two most unlikely back-to-back -back victories they would have won all season and they've done it. It's got to be the best week in the club's history. You think about them getting promoted, obviously big achievements, but the achievement of beating those two teams, two of the biggest teams in English football, two of the biggest teams in world football, back-to-back, -back, it's an incredible achievement. And the one against Stamford Bridge, they deserved that one probably. They, uh, Boric was never really tested. That wasn't really true of um, the United game. Perhaps lucky to get away with the victory there. You think of Boric, he made a fantastic double save to keep him in it, made a couple of other saves, but certainly don't think they deserve to lose that match. A draw probably would have been the fairest result. They took the lead very early on in fortuitous circumstances I'd probably say the corner going straight in it didn't mean that you'd have to say De Gea should have done better I don't think a keeper should ever be beaten like that but uh, they got the they got the early goal and that obviously got Dean Court absolutely rocking it was a fantastic atmosphere throughout there and United hit straight back I mentioned that Boric double save straight after kept them in the game really I think it could have been a completely different game had United equalised straight away after that but then uh, Fellaini got that really scrappy goal quite how he managed to poke that one in. It was quite a, a good finish from him in the end and he was one of the standout performers really for United which says any, everything you need to know about how United really played. It wasn't that exciting, it wasn't that good but Bournemouth were very much in the game still and they got that winner through uh, uh, King, Josh King, uh, straight from the training ground, Richie's low corner in. King. Uh I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Putting it at home against his former club to get the victory. So a great, it was a really good performance, full of heart and desire and hunger. And they just, they wanted it a lot more than United, you felt there, which in the end proved to be the difference. And to get those two victories, the position they're in up to 14th now, massive, massive and unexpected uh, boost for their survival hopes. Absolutely, I think you touched on King there. He was—he's—he's he's really impressed me this season for for Bournemouth. You know, he was a sort of bit part player at Blackburn before, you know, Bournemouth signed him. He was never a regular starter in the Championship for Blackburn, and now he's gone there. You know, scoring goals for them, he was really dangerous against Chelsea the week before. And the only thing is that he did pick up a bit of an injury in that game. You know, he could miss this one, which would be a huge blow for them if he's sat because he's done really well in the lone strikers role there. I mean, they might have uh, Sylvain Distan and Mark Pugh back, and. I mean, if Pugh comes back, he'll probably go into midfield and then maybe Glenn Murray uh, go up front. It'd be interesting to see what they do. But And the thing is, Tommy Elphick as well, he was meant to be back, I think, around Christmas, but I, I saw his, his return's been pushed back to January, I think. So if he's not there, that's a blow for their defence because that's where maybe they just need to improve. Because I thought against United, I really thought they could win. You looked at that United defence and the way Bournemouth have been playing in recent weeks, you know, they, they'd like to get the ball forward. You know, They haven't really shied away from you know attacking when they like to. And, I thought they were really impressive there. And like you said, up to 14th in the table, they're top of the set team sort of chasing West Brom here. They're four points behind West Brom, who are up in 13th, just a place above them. And yeah, the way they're going at the moment, I think you know they, they could certainly climb the table, but you look at the run they've got here. West Brom, uh, go, to, go to the Hawthorns here is a tough game. And then you look at their next four after that. I mean, I mean they've beaten Chelsea and Man United, so maybe they can beat anyone, but it is still a really tough run of fixtures. They've got Crystal Palace, who are sixth, Arsenal, who are second, Leicester, who are first, West Ham, who are eighth in the next four games. So it's still all very tough fixtures. And if they can carry this sort of form and maybe get, you know, say two, three wins from those games, the fixtures will obviously then ease up a bit going into the new year. And yeah, I mean, the way they're going at the moment, they look like they could they could stay up this year. Yeah, you mentioned King missing potentially this match. I think Glenn Murray coming in is not too much of a downgrade. Murray obviously got the winner at Stamford Bridge, didn't he? And he should have scored against United. Missed two absolute sitters later. Well, one one sitter in particular and another very presentable chance. So he'll certainly be willing to uh, be keen to take his chance after missing two really good ones to put the game to bed against Ultra, um, against Manchester United. And he'll, he should get chances against West Brom as well. It's, it's a Pulis team. You don't usually consider them giving away cheap goals but they have done especially at home this season they've got one of the worst defensive records at home this season and obviously two more against Liverpool they gave away the second one of which was very unfortunate in the in the dying seconds 96th minute I think it was Origi's deflected shot into the corner really hard for them to take there but I don't think they could have too many complaints about not coming away with all three points there because Liverpool they had 28 shots compared to West Brom's four eight of those on target compared to West Brom's two Liverpool 70% possession 30% for West Brom it wasn't a big surprise Pulis went there and played like that he did what he thought might get a result and in the end it did get a good point it would have probably felt like a defeat the way it came so late for West Brom but it is a decent point and makes them unbeaten in four against some pretty decent teams in the league as well last three all draws so drop points in there but it is a, a decent run of form considering the um, the teams they've been up against and they might even look back on it and there was that disallowed goal from Olsen right on the stroke of half time wasn't there where it got disallowed about 30 seconds or something after um, it was originally given so that was a very strange one in the end the right decision was made you have to say that so they can't really point back at that and say they were hard done by but still at the end of the day a good draw for them yeah, I think, you know, you look at, the, like you were saying about their recent form, you know, they've, they had a, they've had a really tough run of fixtures. You look back at the last sort of six games there, they lost to Leicester and Manchester United, and they've stayed unbeaten against Arsenal, who they beat, and then, like you said, three straight draws against West Ham, Tottenham and Liverpool, all sides in the top half. So, like Bournemouth, you know, they've got they've, they've played the similar sort of teams, and they've, they've actually done quite well in those games. And I think 
interesting about that Liverpool game was that you know he actually didn't make a substitution to the 94th minute, which was Ricky Lambert on for Rondon, which was obviously just maybe a time-wasting change in, in extra time. So he's obviously very, very happy with the team he, he put out there. Didn't feel he needed to make any changes. Berahino was an unused substitute. He's still, you know, not come back into the team very settled at all. And I think in that game, you know, but for that, you know, really unlucky late deflection, you, you might have called it a really good away performance if they had hung on there because you know just nicking two goals from set pieces like they did and. Obviously, the first one a bit lucky, Mignolet's mistake. But I think it was a decent away performance, and I think certainly he seems very, very happy with his team and the way they've played against those the, the difficult teams. Like I said, now they host Bournemouth, who I know they're below them in the table, but it's a tough game. But the, the fixtures do get a bit easy. Look at their next three fixtures: Bournemouth, Swansea, Newcastle. They do get a bit better. Yeah, they certainly do. And having uh, remained unbeaten against those four teams, they'll certainly fancy their chances of getting. At least maybe six, seven points on those three fixtures. As you mentioned, Bournemouth are in better form now. Newcastle themselves have strung back-to-back wins together. Swansea are in pretty poor form, but by then you'd expect them to have a new manager in, which might have given them a bit of impetus. So they're not the easiest game, not perhaps as easy as they look on paper when you look just at the um, the league table at the moment. But the form they're in, the confidence they would have got from those recent games, they'll fancy their chance of getting some points in there. I think the big thing for Pulis that he needs to do now is focus on the home form because... As I mentioned earlier, you think of Pulis, you think solid at home, will get a, a number of points on the ball. But they've only won three of the last 12 games at the Hawthorns, losing six of those as well. So that is an area they need to improve. But 13th in the table, with this form, with this run coming up, the immediate future looks fairly bright for West Brom, I think. Yeah, I think there's, there's still you know, six points above the bottom three. I think so there's still a decent gap there. And you know, if they beat Bournemouth here, that'll obviously take them further away. Which way do you see it going? Yeah, I see West Brom winning this one. Bournemouth, they obviously two huge victories. I think they thrived on being the complete underdogs in both of them. Though I don't think there would be as big underdogs in this match. So I can see West Brom winning this one 2-0. Two nil. Two nil. I'm going to go... Well, I think West Brom scored two, but I fancy Bournemouth to actually get a point here. I think it'll finish two also. Got one West Brom win and a draw. OK, on to Saturday's evening kick-off, and it's a relegation battle between a resurgent Newcastle and rock-bottom Aston Villa. It's been contrasting weeks for these two teams, Pascal. I think we'll give Aston Villa the honour, another defeat and still bottom of the table. Yeah, eight points from safety now, aren't they, after that? Because, you know, you've got teams like Newcastle, Bournemouth also winning at the moment. You'd probably say that pretty much everyone down the bottom, even though Norwich haven't had too many wins, they've picked up some impressive points against Arsenal and Everton. you say everyone down the bottom, maybe apart from, say, Chelsea, who are obviously surprisingly down there, everyone else is looking better down there apart from Villa. You know, they still can't buy a win and it was always going to be a difficult game last weekend. They host Arsenal who are in pretty good mood you know, after getting through the Champions League midweek and you would have thought it was a really difficult task for them to, to get anything from the game. But the way they conceded the goals, you know, giving away a penalty, there was the real confusion over the penalty. You know, It didn't look like it, it took about 30 seconds for the decision to finally be made but when you watch it back, Walcott got his body across Hutton clearly like you know pulled on his shoulders definitely a penalty Giroud sticks it away and then the second goal I can see was even worse I thought the defending was just comical how bad it was Arsenal broke clear you know it was a good tackle from Ramsey and they did break clear well but there was the ball through to um it was to Ozil he was the one who set it up for Ramsey and Lescott just he was in the middle he just didn't really seem to know where he was going he should have gone and got gone and tracked Ozil because he basically said to Ozil you've got a free shot on goal Ozil could have shot and he also squared to Ramsey so Lescott didn't cut off either of the two options so he defended that really poorly. They might have scored anyway if, if he'd gone to the ball or maybe tried to stop the pass to Ramsey, but he just didn't either. And for an experienced defender like Lescott, you would expect better, better from him for that. And you just wonder if there's any confidence left in this team anymore. Like I said, eight points from safety. You know they, they're going to be you know bottom at Christmas. You know everyone else is, is seems to be doing better apart from them. And yeah, you just wonder if they, if they have really any hope left this season. I don't think Lescott can shoulder the whole blame. Obviously his defending was pretty poor, but the whole team mm. that second goal was just such lackadaisical defending. 
they've jogging back Sanchez in particular got um, highlighted there the way he just jogged back and just sort of ran off to mark no one just it suddenly turned from a four on four to a four on one situation with one pass it was it was terrible defending and it's just been a hallmark of their season so far it's been an absolutely dreadful campaign Remy guards come in hasn't exactly improved things too much they've obviously got Decent draws against Man City and Southampton, but still looking for that first win under Vermigard. It's now 15 games without a win um, under both under Sherwood and Vermigard as well, and that's the longest uh, winless streak in the club's history since 127-year history. I think it is. It's just it's a terrible run of form, and you look at the fixtures coming up, and you would say this is probably their best chance, if any chance, to get out of that. They haven't got any of the big boys unless you um, include Leicester in that, which you probably have to now, actually, because they're doing so well this season. But in their next nine Premier League games, they've got a relatively kind run of fixtures, particularly in the next uh, four. They've got Newcastle, Norwich and Sunderland in three of the next four, all away from home, though. And obviously this one, is, it's not as straightforward as you might have thought it would have been a couple of weeks ago with Newcastle stringing together back-to-back wins. And to be honest, you look at Aston Villa now in any game they go into, I can't really see them winning it. So even against the teams like Newcastle, like Norwich, like Sunderland, in and around them in the table, I can't see them getting the victory. Maybe they're on point here and there, but I can't see them winning it. And if they don't get a significant amount of points over this festive period, for me, they're going to be dead and buried, already relegated before... um, maybe even before 2016 starts. If they can get some points, maybe they'll give themselves a lifeline, but it's such a big mountain to climb now. The way they're playing, they're going to need a drastic improvement to stay up this season. Mm. And the thing is, like when January comes around, you know, Remy Gard, he, ha- he hasn't had a transfer window yet in charge, and it's going to be interesting to see who he signs. He's, I think the, the by the like reports of who, who they've been linked to, I've seen Ashley Cole, Vidic as well, You know, very experienced defenders, which would be a wise move, but like you say, if they are, you know, say, over 10 points you know, from safety come that time, you know, you can't really offer them you know, big contracts, you know, for you probably only be able to offer them a half season contract maybe to say, right, but try and keep us up and then we can maybe offer you something in the summer, but you can't really offer them a two year contract if you think, well, what we're gonna do if we go down we're paying these players. I mean these these players like Vidic and Ashley Cole, they can demand a lot of money after the careers they've had. They can, you know, if they want to go for players like that, they're gonna have to shell out big wages. And if you go down to the championship, you know, paying those kind of wages, then you're in you're in deep trouble with the financial fair play and all that kind of stuff and I just wonder like, about who they can really sign if, they're, if they are in that kind of situation. There's been reports that Agbon Lahore might even leave in January, you know, hit one of their key players. And if he does, I think I saw a stat that if he leaves, the top scorer at the club of any of the players would be Kieran Clark with four goals, I think. And that just shows that they've just got no one there who has been there for a decent time, scores regularly for the club. I mean, Agbon Lahore, I think he's got, you know, he's obviously got a lot of goals to the club, but apart from that, no one else has got, you know, into double figures at all. So it's, you just wonder what's going to go on. We talked about Gusted at the start of the season, whether he'd be able to do much for them up front, but he's really struggled to make that transition from Championship to Premier League because he was superb for Blackburn last season. Obviously, he scored on the opening day, the winning goal at Bournemouth, but since then, in and out of the team, had a couple of injury problems. But yeah, like you say, things do really look bleak for Villa. And like I say, they come up against a resurgent Newcastle side here, and everyone else. Just because everyone else is, is getting wins, like you said, even if they get maybe the odd win or a draw, they're not really going to catch anyone up and they're still going to be quite a long way adrift of everyone else. So. Yeah, and it is a resurgent Newcastle. They'll come into this match now as firm favourites, whereas, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it might have been give or take. They probably would have still been favourites the way Aston Villa performed so far this season, but there's no doubt about who the favourites are now at home as well. 
and follows two very impressive victories. No one really gave them a chance against Liverpool. The form Liverpool had been particularly away from home under Jurgen Klopp. They came into that off the back of wins against Chelsea, City and Southampton, all pretty convincing wins. So Liverpool then lost 2-0 in that one and then Newcastle, the big thing for them would be to back that one up and they did that against Tottenham. They left it late to do that against Tottenham. Ayuzi Perez getting that late, late goal after um, Mitrovic had equalised. Bit of a scrappy one and for both goals they perhaps got a little fortunate with Lloris probably should have done better on on a good day he probably would have saved both of those but at the same time the the performance was decent you can't say they deserve to lose that game as I say they got a bit lucky with that they got a bit lucky against Liverpool with Skirtle's own goal Moreno's disallowed goal and then they got the second goal later on as well in that one so they have rode their luck at times in those two victories but they need that bit of luck if they're down at the bottom and sometimes that bit of luck can be the difference between staying in the division and getting relegated. Perhaps deserve that because some of their performances earlier in the season deserve more than what they got and McLaren's been telling us all along that a good run of form is coming. It looks like it might be coming now. Two, six unexpected points those are and they'd expect three more from here. If they don't get it, it might undo a lot of the work that they have done over these last uh, couple of weeks. But if they do get it, the nine points from nine keep on moving. They're now two points clear of the relegation zone, keep on moving further and further away. Certainly got the quality in their squad with the likes of Sissoko and Vinaldum and Mitrovic but probably as well, I think, to avoid relegation. But if they can get um, five, six, seven points clear of the relegation zone before 2016 starts. They'll certainly be in a much stronger position than many would have expected them to be. Yeah, well, they're four ahead of Sunderland now in 19th, which is obviously a big thing for them because even though they haven't been going their way in the derby, you know, just being, you know, having that gap to Sunderland is a big thing because it looks like maybe one of those two might go down this year. And obviously, Newcastle don't want it to be them. And I think what you were saying about the uh, riding their luck there in, in those games, you're going to have to do that. Spurs and Liverpool, you know, two of the best teams in the league. And, you wouldn't say that in either game they were particularly like completely outplayed, and it was a real like smashing grab. You know, they against Liverpool there was a real passion at St James's Park for that game. They were a bit fortunate, like you said, but against Spurs, you know, that they nullified them quite well and uh, got the late goal, like you said. And you look at what they they've done at home in recent weeks. You know, there was that Liverpool win, and they've, they've scored, actually scored quite a few goals. And they've got more goals uh, than anyone else outside the top nine at home. So, I mean, a lot of that is probably to do with the six goals they scored against Norwich in that game, which we've talked about many times. Could have gone either way in that one, really, but. You know, those the last two games, I've only conceded one goal against Liverpool and Spurs. That's really impressive. But even with that, they've still got the joint worst defence with Bournemouth, conceded 31 in 16. So it's still an average of over two a game. And obviously, they have put that right in recent weeks against good teams. And this is now where they host a team like Villa, really struggling Villa. They have to keep a clean sheet in this game if they're because they've, they've kept out, you know, by and large, the two teams, you know, in challenge of Europe and if they can't keep out Villa here a Villa team really struggling then there are problems and their record against Villa is pretty good they're unbeaten in eight uh, Premier League games against them winning five and Villa haven't won at St James's Park in nine attempts losing six so I think Newcastle should feel pretty good going into this yeah and despite the resurgence though it is still still going to be billed as a relegation six-pointer which way do you see it going yeah you have to back Newcastle I think it would be really disappointing for the fans you know they're going to be really up for this now after those two big wins it's going to be a really great atmosphere Saturday evening kickoff as well you know it should be a fantastic atmosphere there I think Villa just won't be able to cope with the situation I think Newcastle will come out on top 3-1 yeah I agree with Newcastle winning by two I can't really see Aston Villa scoring at the moment to be honest and Newcastle as you mentioned have improved defensively still got a poor defensive record this season but they've improved the last two games so I'm going to go for a 2-0 Newcastle victory so both going for fairly comfortable home victories here. Right, Sunday's first game is at Vicarage Road, where Watford hosts Liverpool. 
Barnes will start with the home side six seventh after that one 0 win at Sunderland. Yeah, another good win for them, and it's, they've gone about their business quite quietly, haven't they? Under the radar, a bit sneaking up the table, but that's three uh, consecutive victories now, only four points off the top four, having an incredible season really, and no one's really taken too much notice of them because they've been winning these games one 0 two 0 Icarlo and Dini obviously in fantastic form after Dini had a slow start to the season. He's really firing now. Both of those two working in tandem, just as they were towards the end of the championship season as well last season. So. They're doing very well, obviously the best of the promoted sides, but I think even people who expected them to uh, do well in the Premier League, no one thought they'd do this well. You would say these three, uh, the, the three games they've won in a row now have come against the current bottom three in the table, Aston Villa, Norwich and Sunderland, so the, the opposition hasn't been too tough. They would have gone into each of those matches as favourites increasingly so as they would continue to pick up wins because of how well they've done this season. So they'll be they're in, uh, interesting to see how they get on against tougher opposition this one, but certainly the way they've gone about their business so far this season has been very good. The win against Sunderland last time out, Icarlo got the early goal and then they probably should have won by more to be honest. Um, Carlo had one cleared off the line when he really, really should have scored there. It was a, it was an absolute city. Good defending to slide back and get it off the line, but Carlo would be kicking himself how he didn't get that one. And then they hit the post through Javado as well. So could have been more at Sunderland, but the most important thing was the three points, three consecutive victories, closing in on the top four. Be interesting to see how far they can keep on this. Uh, carry on this go and I think at this stage of the season they'll be eyeing the top half as a realistic goal now Yeah, the thing is, there is a lot of teams like that who want to finish in the top half you've got teams like say Stoke and Southampton in the bottom half at the moment who probably fancy a top half place but yeah Watford really really impressive and I think the thing is what they need to do now is prove themselves against tougher opposition like you said those three games they have won nothing too impressive there really but you look at their next four games coming up here Liverpool at home here and then they go to Chelsea uh, then they host Spurs and Man City. So three of the four at home, Liverpool, Spurs and Man City. And those are the three probably you know, more difficult ones of the three. And then they go to Chelsea, who we know are really struggling. So it, it probably falls quite kindly that they welcome the three, the three hardest teams at Vicarage Road. And it's a, it's a really excellent chance for them to sort of cement their place in the top half. But the one thing with them is they've never won back-to-back home games in the Premier League, you know, when they've been in before. So it's a, something that they'll want to put right here. It's going to be very difficult against Liverpool. But like I said, again, Igalo last week and... You know, those two, they've been just tremendous for them. But, you know, the rest of the team, no one, I don't think no one really knows too much about the rest of the team, really, because they just steal the headlines every week, Igalo and Dini. So if they go cold at any point or if, say, they get injured, then they're going to need someone else to step up. And that might just be the worry for Flores that maybe either one of them gets injured or, you know, in January. I mean, Igalo especially, I think he's been fantastic this season. He's The way he, he controls the ball and he's, he's really good dribbling, great finisher as well. You know, we talked about the likes of Mares and Vardy at Leicester have it with a bit interest in them. I think Igalo, surely there'll be some inquiries about him in January because he's been tremendous as well. So it'd be interesting if they can keep him. But you know, if they're still sitting pretty in the top half come January, then you know, there's, there's not much reason to leave because they're doing fantastically well. Yeah, and they'll fancy their chance of getting something out of this game against the Liverpool side who have had a few dodgy results of late. Obviously, there was that defeat to Newcastle no one really expected. And then the home draw against West Brom last time out. That was, it was a strange game in a way. At, towards the end, obviously, um, they were pushing for that equaliser. Got very lucky to get it with Origi's deflected shot. Probably say they deserved a point out of it, but nothing more really. It was another so-so display at home under Klopp. But at the end of the match, obviously, Klopp did that thing in front of the cop, which he used to do at Dortmund. Um, I know you weren't a fan of that, but I think it was quite clever from him, <laughs> to be honest. I, I know if you take it in isolation, doing that at the end of a two-all draw against West Brom when you would have been expected to win that match, it looks stupid doing it in isolation when you take it in that isolation there. But the way the match panned out, the late, um, the late equaliser, and I think it was quite because fans might have otherwise gone away from that game pretty disgruntled. But it was there was there was the best atmosphere at Anfield since Klopp's been there. He got the fans right behind the team. I think it was quite clever what he did there. Obviously, 
it wasn't the best result. It, it is only a point, but the way they got the point, it would have felt a bit like a victory. Um, Henderson, a big positive, him coming back and getting on the score sheet as well. So there, there were positives. It, still two drop points at home. They do need to improve at home. Mignolet's error, of course, again, big questions over him. I think in January there are going to be huge questions over whether Liverpool bring in a, a goalkeeper. Jack Butland's been linked, and I think personally he would be a fantastic signing for a team like Liverpool. He, he looks like a star in the making, Jack Butland does, if not a star already. He's been one of the standout goalkeepers of the season this year. So certainly negatives, but certainly positives as well. And I think Klopp, I think what he did at the end of that game was quite clever to, to get the fans back on side after what wasn't the best result. But certainly the atmosphere among the fans, it's always good away from home, but at home they need a bit more. And I think that would have helped them give that. Just from my point of view, if I was a Liverpool support and I was there in the home end, I just, I just, I wouldn't feel like really cheering on the team. And you know they were all there in a line, you know, celebrating with the cop. And if I just watched my team get a 96-minute deflection, you know, I know they had a lot of chance in that game. And West Brom, you know, just you know scored two goals from set pieces. But if I was there and I'd watch my team, you know, uh, score in the 96th minute through a very fortunate deflection and, and not beating a team like West Brom at home when Liverpool have had some excellent results under Klopp, you know, especially away from home. I, I just don't know if I'd really feel like that they they deserved that the applause they were getting there, and if if I would have stayed to clap them really, but that's just my personal view. But I think under Klopp, you know, they they go back away from home here to Watford. You know, they've actually in the Premier League this season they've got the same amount of points at home as away. But under Klopp, especially, they've been really good away from home. And some of the wins they've had, you know, they went to City, went to Chelsea, and won League Cup. Uh, go to Southampton, score six there. So they have been really really impressive away from home. The only downside, maybe well another downside to last week's uh, draw was the uh, injury to Lovren. He's probably out for about a month now, I think. And the only positive pay maybe about it is that the Sacco could come back and fill in that centre-back gap because if, if they're both out for this one, then they are going to be a bit short at the back and it might be something that, especially when we've talked about Egalo and Dini coming up against those two, that they might fancy the chances if Liverpool are a bit short-handed at the back. Yeah, certainly. And I think it's quite important that Liverpool do need to field a strong side to get a good result in this because it's a difficult match to form Watford are in. And Liverpool, they're sat down in ninth in the table, which... You want to see more from that. Obviously, it is very bunched up in there in the middle. A victory could take you up to fifth or sixth in the table. So ninth perhaps isn't as bad as it looks on paper. But still, they need to be up in and around the top four. They need to stop dropping silly points. And the festive period is going to be key for that. They've got kind enough fixtures. It's not an easy run. It's not a particularly tough run. They've got Leicester coming up on Boxing Day. We know how fantastic Leicester are doing. That's at Anfield. And with Leicester's away form, I think only Arsenal picked up more points on the road than Leicester this um this season and Liverpool's home form that's going to be a really difficult match but if they can get a, a rousing performance a really good victory which hopefully might get um, helped by what Klopp did at the end of the West Brom game the atmosphere should be good for that one um, against the Leicester side who are absolutely flying that is a good chance to improve at Anfield which they really really need to do Klopp did say after the um, the West Brom game that they, they need um, performances like they've had the ones against City the ones against Chelsea and uh, Southampton, they need them at home to really get the fans behind them. If they can get one of those against top of the table Leicester, it should give them a real good platform to build on in the new year, I think. Back to this game in Liverpool, they have won four in a row at Vicarage Road. You see them making it five here? It's a difficult one just because of the form Watford have been in and they've, they've kept a few clean sheets recently. But what Liverpool on the road, that blip against Newcastle aside, I, I back them most weeks at the moment. If it was the other way around, I might be um, less inclined to give Liverpool the win here, but I'm going to go for a 2-1 Liverpool victory, I think. Yeah, I don't see too many goals this one. I think Watford, the majority of their home games this season tend to have been pretty cagey. There's not been a lot of goals at Vicarage Road this season. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. So, got one Liverpool win and a draw. Sunday's 4pm kickoff comes in South Wales, where Swansea City hosts West Ham United. 
Pascal, we've got to start with the home side. Heartbreaking defeat to Man City last time out. Really was. 92nd minute winner from City after Swansea had scored in the 90th minute, seemingly to get a point. And what a massive point it would have been. You know, the first game since they sat Gary Mung, Alan Curtis took caretaker charge. And you go to City. I mean, City haven't been probably at their best in recent weeks, but, you know, no one would have given Swansea a chance there. And they go there. They played quite well. You know, they concede the first goal to Bonnie from a corner. Always disappointing, especially against your former player like that to concede the way they did. But they came back second half, held them off quite well. And then Gomez ended his goal scoring drought. That's his first uh, goal in 12 Premier League games he scored there got it to one all, and you could just see the sense of relief among the players you know they really seem to be celebrating if they had got the point and then uh, the goal they can see it was so unlucky you know Yaya Torres shot hit Iheanacho and then looped over nothing Fabianski could do about it at all and so so unlucky and that you know, where that leaves them in the table is, it is unfortunately another defeat just one win in 12 now and they're really struggling yeah there were obviously big positives to take out of that the performance was better pushing City so close and then only losing as I mentioned, in heartbreaking fashion, to a deflected goal. Really harsh on them in the end, not to get anything out of that game. But Alan Curtis, obviously, there was an improvement from the, the latter days of the Monk era when they weren't really performing too well. They didn't look too interested at times in the in the match. So it was an improvement on there. But as you mentioned, cold hard fact of the matter is it was another defeat. 17th now only out of the relegation zone on goal difference. And you think sacking Monk at this time of the year is not an ideal time, the festive period, to be without a manager, is it? And to be going through all this upheaval, this talk, chairman's Hugh Jenkins is Hugh, Hugh Jenkins, sorry, is out in uh, South America looking for a manager. Marco Bielsa is the um, is the favourite for that, and I think he would be he would be a, a pretty good manager. He's pretty high calibre. He's had some big jobs in the past, likes of Marseille, mm. Bilbao, Argentina. I think he was with as well. So he's had some he's managed some big players. He's had some big jobs in the past. So it, that would be a bit of a coup to get him, I think. Um, but I think they do need to get someone sooner rather than later because the festive period is always so vital in English football. So many um, fixtures coming thick and fast. And Alan Curtis, he'll be pretty um, buoyed by what he saw again for the Man City game. And I think he'd be up for the challenge of keeping a few more games. But for the sake of Swansea as a club, to keep him settled, to keep the players settled, I think they need to bring a new manager in sooner rather than later. Yeah, he seems to be, Jenkins seems to be going for that sort of South American, doesn't he? It's either Bielsa or Sampaoli or Unai Emery, Gus Poyet, or those kind of you know Hispanic kind of coaches. Maybe he thinks that's the way to go because you know they had, they've had success under Laudrup, you know, Brendan Rodgers, uh, Gary Monk as well. But maybe he just feels like a change of tact is needed. But be interesting to see who they sign in January. I mentioned there that Gomez, you know, he did end that goal drop. We're still, you know, it's still. He's not all that convincing in games, is he? And I've seen they've been linked with a January move for uh, Brighton striker Tom Ahmed, who for, he's had his first season in England. He came here and he's really impressed in the Championship. Brighton, obviously, still unbeaten there. So if they went for him, he's, he's, he's quite a good all-around striker. He can do all sorts of things. I'm not sure if he's the kind of replacement you want who's going to score maybe 10 goals in the second half of the season. I'm not sure it's quite that ambitious a move. But like, like you said about Swansea, you know, I think the problem with them at the moment, they... They were so close to getting that point last week, but where it leaves them in the table, you just look at the other teams, Bournemouth and Newcastle, both had those really good results recently. And Swansea, 17th in the table, is astonishing, really, considering where they were. You know, We've talked so many times where they were after that United game in August, but then one win in 12 since then, it's not good enough. And at home, especially, they've won none of their last six uh, Premier League home games. They've failed to score in four of those. You've got to, you know, you've got to score at home, haven't you? Really, even if you, even if you're on a bit of bad form and you're drawing a few games, you have to score. And obviously, if you, if you don't score, you don't win. It's a terrible cliche, but you have to and if they're not doing that with going this they need something in January they obviously do and you just wonder who they're going to sign I think they'll come into this match more confident of victory than many in recent weeks though because although West Ham have had a good season and we've talked many times about the results they've had away from home in particular especially those first three away games they've had this season they're not in great form at the moment no winning six games now and that followed the 0-0 uh, draw against Stoke at the weekend and 
that was a that was a real good game. It wasn't a, it didn't um, a lot more entertaining than the scoreline suggests. That one, plenty of shots on target. I think West Ham had eleven themselves, couldn't get the goal, and then both sides hit the uh, the woodwork. Uh, Arnautovic with his deflected free kick, and I think it was uh, Koyate had one clear, uh, cleared one off the line for West Ham as well. So Stoke had their chances. West Ham had their chances as well. They hit the post. Um, so it could have gone either way. There could have been a lot more um, high scoring, probably in the end a point apiece was a fair result but Butland was forced into many saves so positives to take from that one for Slavin Bilic but again more drop points and they need to improve that no wins in six as I say but four of those have been draws if they can start draw, turning some of them into a few victories then they'll, they might get back where they were towards the start of the season they're still eighth in the table very much in that cluster of teams in mid-table looking towards the, the top six the European places but turn a couple of those draws into victories and they'll be right up in there alongside the likes of Tottenham likes of Palace at the moment who are doing very well yeah, I think they're one of the top half teams, West Ham, who have just stuttered in recent weeks. You know, it's back-to-back, nil-nil draws after the one. You know, it was an impressive one they got at Old Trafford, but they would have quite fancied beating Stoke because Stoke, one of the teams chasing them uh, just now, but couldn't do it there. But, you know, this, they're only two points behind fifth-place Spurs, so they're still right there. And you just wonder if they're going to be able to cope. We've talked about the festive period, how important it is. You know, they've got, they've got four real key players out injured, Sacco, Paillet, Reed, and Moses, all four of those definitely out of this one. Uh, Lanzini could be back which would be a big boost then because when Payet first got injured Lanzini did seem to fill that gap there and scored a couple of goals made a couple of goals so he was important for them there but they just need to get out of this rut like I said no winning six and three draws in a row as well so it's like many of the other teams in the top half they have been stuttering but if they really want to maintain that top half charge when you see what Watford have been doing you know you'd expect maybe Southampton to improve Stoke have been playing well recently so they just need to sort of string together a few wins, like you say. And their next two games, they're both away from home, but Swansea and Villa, two of the bottom four sides. Obviously, Villa right down there at the bottom. So they've had some tough runs, but the next two fixtures, I think they'll fancy their chance of getting some points on the board. And do you fancy their chance of winning this weekend? I don't I think it could be a fourth uh, draw in a row for West Ham. I think Swansea, I can't really see them winning here, to be honest. West Ham should go there more confident than them, but I think West Ham haven't been all that convincing themselves recent weeks. So I'm going to go for one all draw here. It's going to be an interesting match to see how Swansea play. I think Alan Curtis will probably be in charge again, even if a new manager is appointed, but then he'll probably be watching from the stands for this match. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform again under that, how they bounce back from such a big disappointment against Man City. I think I'm going to go for a West Ham victory here, though Swansea's form is poor. West Ham, they've had some good results on the road, as we've mentioned. So I think I'm going to go for a 2-1 West Ham victory. So I'm going for one West Ham win and a draw. And finally, it's a mouth-watering Monday night affair, second against third as Arsenal host Manchester City. Once we start the home side last Sunday, a fairly comfortable 2 0 win over Villa. It was very comfortable for them, wasn't it? Everyone expected them to get the victory, and there's no real surprises for them, there's no real test for them, and they never really have to get out of second gear throughout the match. And yet Villa made a, a pretty bright start to the match, brighter than many would have been expecting, but then Alan Hutton gave away that stupid penalty the first 10 minutes, dragging Walcott to the ground. A bit of confusion initially, the referee appeared not to give it straight away, but then after a brief delay, about a few seconds, pointed to the spot. So Villa felt hard done by with that, but it, it was the correct decision in the end, and Giroud obviously stuck the penalty away carried on his good scoring form and then the third, the second goal eventually arrived probably a bit later than Arsenal would have wanted they were in complete control it was one way traffic throughout the entire first half and then when it did arrive it was a counter attack which was a theme of Arsenal's game throughout that match they always hit uh, Villa on the break and looked dangerous every time they came forward on the break Villa's defending for it was pretty poor it turned into just one pass into Ozil took out three Aston Villa defenders completely and they didn't look like they wanted to get back really. It was a really poor defensive uh, moment for Aston Villa and then Urzo obviously another assist for him, squaring it to Ramsey who was man of the match to, to stick it away and 
Villa, they did improve in the second half. The first half, it was just poor from them. They didn't seem like they wanted to be there. didn't seem like they had any belief whatsoever. They did improve, but Arsenal were never truly tested, as I mentioned. They, they didn't have to get out of second gear. It was all very comfortable for them. Obviously, at the time, that took them top of the table. They seem to be knocked off that by Leicester again after their victory over Chelsea on Monday night. So, still very much in the mix, and that was very comfortable. Just another victory. Took three points on the board. It wasn't a vintage display, but it's three points. Yeah, just one clear city going into this, so two behind Leicester. They look fairly, you know, in a good position in the league, but the big news with the club this week, that Champions League draw, drawing Barcelona is the worst draw possible for them, and you know, you think now the way Barcelona have been playing and the way you know they've they've dominated Arsenal. They've, they've, I think they've played Arsenal is it twice in the last five years in the knockout stages, and they've beaten them both times. And there's been some. You just don't really give Arsenal a chance in that game, do you? I mean, they could have got a much easier team than that, but to get Barcelona, you think that's probably their European hopes gone. I don't think many people would give them a chance against Barca. The way, especially the way they played in Europe this year, scraping through the group on you know the head-to-head record with that you know three 0 win at Olympiacos. So I think. They're almost definitely going to go out of the Champions League. But if anything, considering they are, you know, quite handily placed in the Premier League, you know, Leicester still on top. We probably not expecting them to quite hold on to the top spot. Their City haven't been great. We know that Chelsea are really struggling. United, you know, there's many teams not looking great this season. So it could be Arsenal's year to win their, you know, their drought for a Premier League title. And I think maybe if they do go out of Europe, it could, if it, it, it might be a good thing for their Premier League hopes. You know, they won't have to worry about Europe. They've just obviously they want to defend the FA Cup again this year. Um, but they're out of the League Cup and I think maybe if they go out of the Champions League and just focus on the Premier League because if Wenger can win the Premier League again you know, especially with you know, we know about all the injuries they've got if he can do it this season I know other teams haven't been as good but if he, they can do it this year maybe go out of the Champions League but if they can win the Premier League it would just be massive for them It would and aside from that the big blip in November which seems to come every year they have looked like arguably the most consistent team in the league apart from Leicester and we're still expecting them to drop off at some point. They may not in the end. They've done so well so far this season, but we are still expecting them to not really be title contenders just yet. Mm-hmm. Next few games might prove otherwise, but they have been one of the most consistent teams with that um, November side. So they'll be confident of um, putting in a good challenge for the uh, uh, the title this season. First one in 11 years it would be, of course, uh, 12 years actually, wouldn't it? 2004, last time they won it. And at home especially, that's where the the basis of their, their main... They've, they've got the best away record at home as well, uh, away record in the league as well, but at home they've been equally good. Since the opening day defeat to West Ham, they're unbeaten in six, winning four, drawing two. And crucially, they've got three of the next four Premier League games at home. Obviously, this big one, um, this is a massive one. Six six points are really at the top of the table. And if they can get a victory here, we're going to talk about Man City's away form later. They'll go into this match as favourites. The, um, the form books suggest, with home and away form, suggest that Villa will uh, Arsenal win the, will win this one. And then coming up after that, they've got Bournemouth and Newcastle, who a bit resurgent, two wins on the bounce for both of them. But Arsenal will still be expecting maximum points from there. And they've also got a trip to Southampton who aren't in the best form either. So they've got some kind fixtures coming up after this one. And if they can get a victory in here as well, they, they may go into 2016 because Leicester have got some mm. tough games coming up. They may go into 2016 top of the table and the fans will start believing that the title wait is over. Yeah, I think there's definitely a chance. And I think, like you say, they should start this game as slight favourites. I think City... Last week they got a win as well. That win over Swansea, but it was far from convincing, wasn't it? You know they took the lead in the first half through Bonnie, and then they couldn't really get that second goal, which would have probably killed Swansea off because Swansea obviously without their manager going into that game. But they then uh, Gomez scored the goal. Joe Hart will be you know angry about the way he conceded that, but it was a, it was a pretty good finish from him. And then at, on the 90th minute, they think oh they've really dropped two points there, and like many other teams last weekend, failing to win. But they do they did get the goal big uh, you know big slice of luck in that with uh, Yaya Torres shot hitting Iheanacho looping into the net and obviously three points the most important thing in that one I think there was some interesting storylines going into that I think De Bruyne he was rested going into that I think it was apparently fatigue 
he apparently looked quite tired in the last couple of games, so he was rested. But you know, since then, uh, that last Leicester game to a Monday night game, they've had nine days, you know, gap between those two. So he should probably be fit for this one and be one of the first times, you know, that maybe him and Silva and you know Sterling and Aguero could be back as well. There's reports he's back in training. I mean, if Aguero could come back for this, is huge. Company could be back as well. There's, I mean, I think he's sort of more of a doubt company. But if if he can come back for this, Aguero and company, it would just be massive for them, and that would give them a real boost coming into this. Because even though last week's uh, result wasn't great, those two players coming back would be massive. Yeah, because they haven't been too convincing at the, uh, in recent weeks, have they? With those players missing, I th- there was a stat about company. I think in the games he has played, he's only, they've only conceded one goal. Mm. In the games he hasn't, they've conceded something like eighteen or something. It's a massive difference between the two when he is playing and not. So he is a key player, and obviously we know how good Aguero is. He can snap up any chance that comes his way. He's a fantastic finisher. So getting those two back would be key, and key to getting back on form as well. Because they, as I mentioned, they haven't been too convincing, and particularly away from home. They started well enough away from home, not one in four away games now and not scored in the road in two months failed they drew blanks at United which is always a tough place to go with United's defensive uh, record this season but then Aston Villa and Stoke as well two games particularly Aston Villa they would have fanced their chances of winning fairly comfortably they should probably should have won that Aston Villa one fairly comfortably but didn't get the victory drew another blank so away from home things aren't great for them um, they have got a tough run of fixtures coming up as well um, in terms of away matches Leicester, Watford and West Ham all top 10 sides coming up and then at home in that time they've got Everton and Crystal Palace as well so they've got uh, five matches against top 10 sides after uh, um, after Arsenal and then Sunderland at home which obviously you'd think is a bit of a uh, banker but then after that it's a tough run of fixtures so things aren't looking straightforward for City they're going to have a fight on their hands if they're going to because they went into the season uh, favourites for the title and rightly so for the the opening weeks of the season they looked like the team to take the title by storm we were talking about them doing what Chelsea did last season but that hasn't materialised really if they can get a, a good run of results coming up in that run of fixtures then they'll be a lot more confident I think we, t- we talked about Arsenal getting Barca and the fact they'll probably go out I think City they obviously got much kinder draw Dynamo Kiev is definitely one of the easiest teams they probably could have got in as finishing group winners you know PSG were the only real real tie they wanted to avoid because they're in the same group as Juve anyway and Chelsea got PSG which obviously made you know, City feel quite good and I think talking about Arsenal the how if they go out of the Champions League it might you know help their title hope City would be the opposite they'll be very confident being Kiev and then you know the lure of that first European title could di- distract them from the league so that, that could probably play into Arsenal's hands as well but back to this game which way do you see it going? It's a huge game isn't it it's Tough one to call, as always, between these two big teams, but I think I'm going to go for a home victory here. I think Arsenal might have enough about them to pick up a 3-2 victory. 3-2, a lot of goals, yeah. I actually see I see Arsenal winning by one as well, but I'm going to go for a 2-1 win, so both picking the Gunners to win this one. So we're both hoping for a Christmas cracker at the Emirates, and that's all 10 games now covered. Be sure to head to sportsmall.co.uk for coverage of all of them. We'll be back on Wednesday to preview the Boxing Day fixtures. See you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.